You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast for episode three in my mini-series of chatting to different uh, Villa content creators in the Villa community. If you've not seen episode one and two just yet, they came out a few months ago. First episode was with Max Stokes from Villa on Tour and the second episode was with Dan Bardell, formerly of the Villa View and, and now with The Athletic. On episode three, I'm delighted to be joined by Regan Foy from Under a Gaslit Lamp. Regan, first of all, how are you? Fine, thank you. Uh, obviously dealing with with isolation in my own way, but aren't we all? For those of you who don't know, just introduce yourself first of all, tell me who you are and, and what it is that you do in terms of the blog. Okay, so, yeah, so I'm Regan, I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Under a Gaslit Lamp. Um, obviously I write my own my own stuff, uh, but our writers send me their pieces and I edit them. Um, I ask people for specific pieces to get uh, their opinions on stuff that I might have a strong opinion on. Um you know, uh, recording the podcast and, and and stuff like that. Really, talk to me about the blog. Then let's get let's get stuck into it. Obviously, here to talk about kind of the different content strands that that we all do in the Villa community. How did it start? What who who came up with the idea and, and what was the initial kind of um, hopes for it? Initially, I was I was at uni. Uh, I studied English and journalism at uni, and I saw a lot of uh, other places that for other teams doing content. And I thought, you know, I think it was our relegation season. Um, yeah. And I thought, right, let's let's try something. So I wrote something, and it wasn't very good. But I shared it amongst um, a couple of places that that did content for Villa at the time. Um, and you know, I, I got stuff back, and I was like absolutely lambasted. Like they they turned around and said, "This is a load of wow." Yeah. Um, so. That kind of knocked the confidence a little bit, but um, a year or so later, I thought, you know what, I'm going to really try and do this. So I bought the domain, and f- for some people, they they might not have any idea of who we are, but before we were called Under a Gaslit Lamp, we were called The Claren View. And then I posted in a load of, of uh, Facebook groups, filler Facebook groups, um, asking if anyone wanted to write, and um, two people came back and said yes. Um, one was Mark, who obviously is, is probably the most popular member of our team, especially on Twitter. Um, and the other one was Harry. And uh, they've been writing for me ever since. And since then, you know, we've we've uh, expanded into different areas and different things and grown the team. Um, and for, for most of us, it's, it's a hobby. And some of us, it's obviously um, pushing for career aspirations. It'd probably be remiss of us not to give Mark a full kind of introduction and and who he is. You've mentioned him by by his first name a couple of times. Said, "Oh, Mark's done this, Mark's done that." Who is Mark, and, and explain that relationship and how that's developed over time. As I said earlier, I, I posted in a couple of Facebook groups, and Mark was one of the first people to to come back to me. Um, obviously, a lot of people will know him as Mark Jarobi if they do listen to the podcast or um, listen to or, or read our, our content. Um, and they'll know him on Twitter as at VillamartPGH. You know, he he's he's put money into it when when I haven't been able to because obviously we're we're all self funded. And on on a more personal level, you know, he's been you know a very dear friend for for three years, and I consider him one of my best friends, even though we've never met. Obviously, we were meant to uh, the Crystal Palace game that's been postponed. Um, how do you find that kind of almost working relationship between the two of you? That you're you know one of you is here going to Villa games and and from the area, and one of you is kind of what 
3,000 miles away, whatever it was you said, how does that work? And even something as simple as time zones, like how do you find the time to do things together? Generally, if he's writing, I'll give him, you know, some pointers before before I go to bed and then he'll write it while, you know, I'm sleeping. Um, for the <laughs> podcast, there's, I think there's at any point, there's either a four to five hour diff- time difference. Um so usually we'll record on his days off and I will get home from get home from work on the gym um, and, you know, I'll sit down at seven o'clock and then we'll record for an hour or however long it is um, and then get that edited. So it, it does pose some challenges, but generally it's, it's not too bad. Um, obviously, he's very fond of, of waking up at whatever time he needs to to watch the games. Um, I know he's been in the pub at you know half past eight in the morning, if not even earlier. But yeah, the time zone really doesn't make a difference. It's just um, something that you have to work around, really. When did you kind of decide that introducing a podcast to your you know your list of content was a, a good idea? Today, I think we've just 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 been over a year doing the podcast since we started the blog. Really, we wanted to do more than just um, written content. We wanted to. I remember very early on in our first year, I don't think Mark was involved in that, but it was me and Harry, the other person that joined around a similar time. And we were doing like, a, you know, almost like like a Twitch stream, but on Facebook. And then the season after, we really pushed out the written content and we thought, you know, we were posting nearly every day um, as, as far as we can. And we couldn't really do video because it'd, it'd be like, you know, it'd be like this over, over webcam. Um and with the likes of you know yourselves over at the Villa View when when you were there and when the Villa View still existed, we, we didn't want to kind of step into video and and, and just do do webcam stuff because we didn't necessarily think we'd be able to do it justice in comparison to other content creators. So we, we thought you know we'll, we'll try and you know show our case our personalities a little bit, and we thought we'd start a podcast. I'm I'm much more confident in my writing than I am with my you know speaking voice or or my podcasting ability. So I think that. Um, you know, I, if if you gave me a topic off the top of your head, I could sit there and write something, and it would just literally come out of my fingers like you know word vomit. I would, I'd like to think the quality is a bit better than vomit, but you know that that it just spill out of my fingers. Whereas if you asked me to talk about it, then I would stumble on my words and I'd be thinking, and and it's it's a lot different when you you you're you're a much better writer than you are a talker. Moving forward, why do you do? under a gas lit lamp you obviously put a lot of time into it it takes up a lot of effort why do you do it what's in it for you for me personally it's career aspirations the goal is to work within the industry i am qualified to work in the industry but it's it's so kind of uh chock-a-block full full of talent it's very hard to get into so i need a way to showcase my talent and for me that is that is the blog i've interviewed players that you know other people might not have been able to get hold of you know like burke beyond be honest and he left the club you know eight eight months ago so there's things that i'm trying to do to try and showcase my own talents but other than that it's i felt when when we started it that we needed a a blog dedicated solely to opinion and obviously it's changed since then we cover news and and things like that but when it first started it was i think our like site tagline was an opinion blog for aston villa fans um and you know there's there's countless other content creators that all share their own opinion as well but we really wanted to push that it was an opinion place for people's opinions and that 
you know, if you really had such a pressing opinion and you had the writing ability, or or even you had the the, the means to write it down, I could I could edit it. Um, and and get your opinion to us and you know it didn't really pan out like that it's more of just you know we have a, a very set group of writers we're always obviously looking to expand but we have probably about eight or so writers now that that i will give them a topic and they'll they'll go and often write their opinion on it you know you mentioned just about you know you've been in it for career aspirations and want to prove that you're kind of good enough to to uh, get a job in the industry have you ever spoken about that anywhere before either on social media or in the blog or on the podcast or anything like that there's the odd time that you obviously like change your social media to try and try and push for things so there's been times that my twitter bio has has said like you know i'm a certain graduate from a certain university um and 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 things like that um and obviously, you, you mention it when 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 necessary. You know, if you think there's an opportunity to be to be gained from something, you'll you'll mention it. But um, other than that, no, this is probably the first time that I've said anything. So obviously, you're doing it for those reasons, as you as you've said. Do you think that can affect the output in any way? Like, you might avoid certain topics, or you might go down certain paths because you're trying to impress a certain element, or is it always just kind of that's a byproduct of what you do, and that it is a kind of fan centric. Uh, opinion blog first and if it if it happens to be a portfolio piece that's great but you don't kind of write things or or record things specifically for that i think if anything it improves the standard of what we do yes i agree 100 percent. that's what i yeah, thought because we're trying to, we're trying to impress you know a potential employer there are things that i've published and they've been they've been short or you know i, I much prefer doing like a long form piece and doing my research and 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 getting information from you know other journalists and, and and things like that and getting quotes and you know just creating like a, a story for for people to read that that's not going to be over within you know two minutes. It, it's pushed me more to try and do more of those, and I think they're received relatively well. I, I'm not overly active on social media on my personal account. I'm overly active on on the under a gaslit lamp account. Really, I'm only using my personal account to share work that I'm proud of or offer the odd random personal comment about apple crumble or something like i did yesterday obviously the the villa kind of fan media content creator whatever you want to call it community i don't know whether this is because i'm a villa fan and i only take notice of it but it seems to be there's so much stuff out there there's so many people out there creating things do you kind of look at the others with a competitive edge thinking well i, I want to do that story better than somebody else or i want to do that podcast episode better than somebody else or do you think that having such a, a rich community of other creators enhances your own work you know I, I do refer to it as a hobby although i have aspirations behind it there's so many things in our community because of the quality of what is produced already like when when james who who now works at Birmingham Live um, wrote for seven five hundred to halt. He he would do piece after piece after piece that was I thought was amazing, and that would I wouldn't think you know I could do that better or or you know anything like that. But it would push me to to improve the quality of my work. So you know I, I got in contact with Matthias Sarkic's mom and asked how he was doing in in Scotland when he was on loan at Livingston, and I'd never thought of doing stuff like that before. But it paid off and it would work really well. And then. Another thing in terms of the collective of, of content creators, including Greg at The Athletic, is that everyone's so happy to share each other's stuff. And there's there's no real animosity between people. I would say that 
you know, a lot of people would think that you know, seven five hundred to halt and and under gasset lamp and and the Villa View and all that were rivals, and we were we were competing for other people's attention. But that really wasn't the case because we speak to each other regularly, and you know, we we banter with each other, and we ask each other for opinions on our work before we post it and things like that. And I think a lot of people don't realise that that's the way that it is. Something that's that's quite unique was the physical magazine that you released last year. The first first time I've seen any of, of the new kind of fan media do anything like that. Explain the process of, of where the idea came from and what it was like to, to get a physical a magazine that I think I've still got in my, my wardrobe I'm looking at now. I'm pretty sure it's in the back of there somewhere. Um, and sent out to however many people it was and, and what was that whole experience like? I did my uh, like final year project at university on magazine, magazine design and um, we had to go out and take our own photos and, and things like that. Um and a kind of create articles and I thought I've got these skills and I'm not putting them to use and you know that there is the uh the heroes and villains magazine that gets sold at Villa Park but I thought I can do something a bit different and and in a different kind of style um and I'd never heard of it before but but James pointed me in the direction of the square ball the uh the Leeds fanzine um and I think I think that's digital only but I wanted to have, you know, physical copies of, of, of things that people could hold in the hand and read. The amount of, uh, you know, we, we, we had a coin, I, I tweeted about it and said, would anybody be interested in this? And there was a bit of interest. And then I tweeted about it again. And there was a bit more interest. And then we put them up for, for pre-order, the first volume. And, you know, it was retweeted by, by so many people and, and liked by so many people. And we sold out our, because I, I put a limited run because otherwise I'd have, you know, spent thousands on it um we put a limited run out and we sold out from that in in 24 hours you know that was that was crazy um i never expected that in my wildest dreams and it, you know you, you i had the like the paypal app on my on my phone and it was literally just popping up with like someone buying something like literally every minute it was it was really crazy yeah it was it was just something that i really enjoyed doing but i'd set myself a time frame to to get it done in four weeks uh by the end of the season and that was the most stressful time that I've ever had whilst working on under a gaslit lamp um I managed to get it done and sent out you know and packaging 180 magazines and writing the addresses on them and, and things like that was, was very tiring weekend um but you know I, I've got it I've got it here uh the first edition um this is the only one that that remains with me all the rest have been sent out elsewhere um but you know, yeah, we're working on a volume two, um, which is a test. Pr- a test print is is also in my hands now. It's available to pre-order. Uh, just throw that out there. <laughs> there. But yeah, it's cheeky plug. <laughs> but it's it's just something that I, I really en- enjoy working on, and, and I think you know having more time this time around to do volume two is allowing me to improve the the, the overall design and the amount of time that I'm spending on specific things. Um, so you you know that the exclusives in there look better, and that's the thing about these as well. Um, obviously, you, you have to pay for them, but it's exclusive content that isn't available elsewhere until at least the next volume is is going to be coming out. So, as an example, to promote volume two, I published a, a piece that I wrote in volume one about Gabby Abonglahor. Um but you know. W- it's it's been you know nine months eight months ten months whatever since you've received that first 
that first bit of exclusive content. It, it was another thing as well to add to to kind of the portfolio piece. You know, I can go into an interview and say I've made this, um, and obviously I've had people writing for it and I've designed it and whatnot, and and that will it acts almost as as an addition to a CV, I suppose. What was the kind of the thinking behind focusing so much on the women and doing a, a Villa Women's exclusive podcast? Initially, we we started it and it was um, not this season, the season before, and it was just nobody was nobody was doing anything about them, or if they were, it was it was the odd time. Um, so we started last season, um, and we didn't cover them as regularly as we could have. Um, just because the the men's team were getting more attention in in every area, including us, um, so we we covered them when we could, and we we you know we managed to get exclusive interviews with with the players and the manager and and things like that. Um, but over the last summer, um, right at the start, you know, towards the end of the season, I thought we need to offer as much attention to this club as, as possible because they deserve it. We always did a podcast and the, the last 10, 15 minutes or so, we'd we'd concentrate on the, the Villa women. And we thought, if someone isn't interested in that, then they're going to just leave and they're not going to hear what we have to say at the end of the podcast. Can we do a singular podcast and try and promote it in a way that gets people interested so that those who want to hear about the Villa Women can listen to it anyway, but then we can kind of try and attract other people to it. Um, and generally from the numbers we've received, we get a similar amount of listeners to both the men's and, and, and women's podcasts. So generally, I think they just like hearing me and Mark talk more than anything. I went to, uh, I think it was the opening game of the season against Sheffield United women. And it was just an incredible experience. Granted, it wasn't 44,000 people at Villa Park, but it was, you know, it was 300, 400 people. And the the, the family feel at Boldmere when, when Villa women were playing. And, you know, that you had people like Emma Follis's nan stood on the sidelines wearing a Follis shirt. It was really kind of like a feel-good feeling at the, at the club. And at the same time, you know, you've got the likes of Melissa Johnson and Emma Follis scoring absolute worldies, you know, on a week-to-week basis. And I really don't understand why people aren't more interested in them. Question first of all, we'll, we'll start with the, the more negative one to begin with. What do you enjoy least about doing uh, a blog and a podcast in your spare time? I think probably the negative reactions that, that you can get sometimes. Um, you know, so, some content that you'll you'll do will be really kind of commended and you'll get you'll get a lot of stuff. Um you'll get a lot of stuff come come back to you um in terms of positive feedback. But then, you know, if you even write perhaps a, a bad piece or people consider it to be a bad piece some of the comments that you can receive can be quite soul crushing um and you know i think everyone's been through it when they've received negative feedback and you know constructive criticism is is all well and good but when you know people are disregarding everything else that you've done for the last you know year or two years or three years and just said oh yeah this this work is really bad or this this blog is really bad it is quite soul destroying and you know i'm not afraid to say that and i know others have been in the same boat that like i've had a bad day got home wrote something it's been lambasted and then i've sat there and cried and i think that's only happened like once or twice but you know when things in life are getting on top of you and then you know you're using your outlet and that kind of adds on to it you, you know it, it can be quite hard how do you deal with that then is there any advice for 
that you can that you can share with other people that potentially go through that? Personally, I try and avoid anything that could be construed as negative in terms of my writing. You know, if I'm criticising a player or criticising a movement by the club or, or, or whatever, I try and avoid that for a couple of days and, and just try and work on something that I think will kind of sit well with the fans um, and and something that I'm really proud of and then usually that gets decent feedback and my confidence kind of restored it's an endless cycle of just high and low confidence really so the flip side to that we'll end on a positive what's the what's the thing that you enjoy most about the blog and the podcast I think I'll give you two answers to this one is that I I enjoy the friendships I've made through it um, you know I I think the, the the team that's behind me in the friends that I've made in that regard you know like Mark Harry uh there's Matt there's Andrew there's Simon there's got there's there's loads of us and and as well as that you know the the, the friendships that that I've made outside of under a gaslit lamp you know with yourself James uh Dan everyone kind of like that and it, it is it is real a real great experience to, to be a part of um and then other than that is just the opportunities that it's provided me you know the opportunity to speak to to ex-players or or media personalities or the opposite opportunity to give my opinion to other outlets like the the sportsman or or other places like that it's a hobby at the end of the day uh, you know whether or not it gets me where i want to be in life whether or not you know my content continues to improve or whether it worsens or, or whatever it, it is and will will always be a hobby and it's something that i like or enjoy spending time doing so long may that continue good answers I really like that. It's a nice way to wrap up. Uh, so, Regan, thank you very much for joining us on the Claret Blue podcast uh, this afternoon. I'm not sure when this is going to go out at this point, but we'll see. I'm, I imagine we'll all still be at home, so something for people to listen to and tune in. I like I like these little chats where we get to talk about kind of the almost the unseen work that uh, creators go through. So, yeah, thank you for, for jumping on Skype for the last hour or so and, and chatting with me. Thank you very much. No, thank you for having me. I would shake your hand, but obviously we, we're not together and we're not allowed to either, so I'm just going to give you a thumbs up via the camera uh, and just have to I'll receive I'll get the anti-back out just in case. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Uh, yes, so if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please do let us know, leave an iTunes review if you want to see more stuff like this. Thanks again, Regan, for joining me and we'll see you again with another episode of the podcast in the coming days, I guess. Thank you very much and up the villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa. Up the villa.